Welcome to episode 87 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Alice. She used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Alice, for your generous contribution. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps a few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Do you find yourself running in circles? Do you obsess over things you can't change? Today we're going to talk about what it's like when our lives are unmanageable and how we've found a better way to live. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of unmanageability. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer and I will be your host today. Joining me today is co-host Ruth. How are you today, Ruth? Hello, Spencer. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing doing well. It's early in the morning for me. Making it, what, mid-afternoon for you, I guess. Yeah, it is. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, unmanageability. Following a short break, we will talk about our lives and recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We'll follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing. And Ruth, you have a reading. Would you like to, to read that for us? Yes, it is uh, from an Elanon book, which uh, is called From Survival to Recovery. Uh, it's from Chapter 5, When Crisis Strikes. A member sharing a meeting co- commented on how often in early recovery sh- she tried to skip over the word sanity and the second step. I really didn't like the part about being restored to sanity, she said, because it somehow implied I was insane. I forgot it applied to the alcoholics I knew. Now they were insane, and I certainly didn't want to be associated with them. Their insanity was what put me here. I believed that my life was littered with crises not of my own making. I had no idea how to stop them all, since I hadn't created them. Then one day I heard someone define insanity as doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I squirmed in my chair, for the definition hit me rather close to home. Not long after that, in another Alanon meeting, I heard a similarly uncomfortable definition. Sanity was humorously described as what we get when we quite quit hoping for a better past. How often did I secretly whisper to myself, if only my parents had loved me, if only they could at least love me now, if only I hadn't been so terrified, if only, if only, if only. And on and on it went, as I did my various crises and my inability to deal with them. I haven't even seen it as living in the past. That's when my recovery began in earnest. Insanity is often a subtle and confusing of the insidious disease of alcoholism itself, just as we come to realize that one doesn't have to lie homeless and jobless in the gutter with a brown paper bag 
in order to suffer from the disease of alcoholism. We eventually come to the understand that one doesn't have to be admitted to a psoriatic ward or slash any frizz to have certain behaviors that are not models of idle rationality. Anger and resentment accompany the abuse and excessive responsibility of living with active alcoholism. They block our sanity just as they do the alcoholics. Since many of us are model citizens, our irrationality is often hard to grasp. Negative responses do not disappear simply because we have broken through our denial and can now recognize them as negative. We have found that substituting a positive thought, word or action for a negative one works better than simply trying to block or stop the negative. In the past, we used our old responses, whether they were denial, blaming, keeping busy, being perfect, or ragging because they were the best skills we had. In order to give up these reactions, even after we have learned that they don't work, we need something else to grasp. Hmm. So that was part of the reading. Hmm. Thank you, Ruth. And uh, I, I found in that reading several examples of of the mm. way in which unmanageability exhibits in my life. I hadn't thought about um, living in the past, for example, as as a, as a sort of unmanageability, but of course it is. So I um, thought we might start, um, you know, the, the first step uh, in, in uh, Al-Anon and in AA, the first step says in part that our lives were unmanageable. And I wonder, how did you feel when, when you heard that your life might be unmanageable? I, uh, when I heard that, um, I know that I, you know, I have to do something else, but my life wasn't unmanageable because I worked a lot. I studied in the evening. I had very few money, but I was still able to support my uh, partner, who was an alcoholic. And I paid my bills. I was always on time. I always, you know, fulfilled all my duties. So I really couldn't understand why my life should be unmanageable. And I just uh, skipped this part. And I said, mm -hmm. yeah, okay, I'm, I'm here, I'm surrender, and I'm willing to use the tools. But, you know, Alanon allows you to, to take what you like and leave the rest. And otherwise, maybe I, I wouldn't have uh, proceeded after the first step. If somebody had said to me, you have to say your life is unmanageable. Because mm -hmm. I thought it, you know, I only thought managing mean fulfilling all my duties. I haven't thinking of having fun or having a life, mm -hmm. you know. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I know. When I finally came to accept that maybe I should attend Al-Anon, um, I was... I was pretty clear on some of, at least the fact that there was unmanageability in my life. I don't think I understood uh, the full extent of, of how unmanageable things were for me. But um, there, was, there was a lot going on in my life that was not going well. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, the bills were getting paid, but they weren't always getting paid on time. 
and and you know the funny thing about that and I, funny in a sense of odd not mm-hmm. funny in a sense of humorous maybe uh, it's not that we didn't have the money to pay the bills um, it's that uh, sort of one of the symptoms for me one of the the ways in which uh, the unmanageability of my life uh, sort of manifested itself was in a, a well, in procrastination, if you will, uh, in a sort of a hiding, hiding from the reality of life, and that reality of life included the fact that, you know, I need to pay this bill on the fifteenth of the month, uh, and so, uh, in in that sort of just sort of, you know, hiding and 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 in on myself, being in on myself, uh, uh, I would just let it go by. Uh, I couldn't. There was just so much. I think so much going on emotionally that I couldn't even um, take the little bit of energy that it took to mm-hmm. to get the bill paid on time. Uh, and of course, then they would uh, maybe send a letter or there would be a late fee uh, and that would make me feel worse. <laughs> and so I would retreat inside my shell even more strongly. Uh, and, and it really was a, was a cycle there. So I, I had accepted pretty well that there was uh, some unmanageability in my life, uh, for sure. Mm. Uh, I had more trouble with the first part of the step, the, the powerlessness. While you were talking, I, for me, it became clear just now that I really needed to, to be on time and to manage all those outer things so that I could keep in my denial that things are going wrong. You know, it was like this was saving my life, you know, and if I, right. I I wasn't able to do that anymore, then I really had to look at some things and then I didn't want it. Yeah. And so this was a justification because in that time, you know, other people, my friends, my family tried to talk to me and saying something went wrong and it was not this, you know, this judging moral things. Uh, but they had the feeling that there was a wall, you know, between us and they couldn't talk to me anymore. And uh, so, and I said, what do you want? Everything I, I managed, you know. Yeah. And so I, I really needed uh, the things going right because otherwise I, I had no idea what would have been left for my, my life, you know, when not the outer things. Yeah. And something that I thought of when you were reading... Um, from the book there is the, the person talked about, um, well, I guess what I thought about was that sort of the outer aspects of life were okay. That, um, you know, I had a job, I had a family, I had a house, we were holding everything together. People got fed and got to school and got to work and, and, uh, you know, outwardly we looked successful and, and how that same sort of image, uh, allowed me to say that the problem in our life was not alcoholism, because I think as the reading said, it's not somebody sort of sitting on the sidewalk with a, a mm. bag, uh, you know, a bottle in a bag, um, you know, we're doing okay. We're managing, uh, and, uh, and not looking at the sort of emotional and spiritual cost of what was happening and how my 
that part of my life was was totally out of control. Um, so that's um, that, that. I thought that was an interesting parallel that I, I really I think I had not thought about before. Um, so you um, in the book there, uh, you said there's some some interesting questions about um, ways in which. Uh, we have unmanageability in our life. Did you want to maybe um, yeah. start with a couple of those? Mm. It is, um, yeah, okay, I, I maybe start reading. And um, questions are, when difficulties occur, do you need to someone to blame, even if it is yourself? Do you feel uncomfortable or draw a blank when asked what is what it is really you want? Does a dark cloud of despair or a creeping depression sometimes seem to appear from nowhere to weigh you down? Do you feel guilty or selfish whenever you say no? Hmm. Well, Do those, you, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Those, I was going to say the, the first three questions there just uh, sort of really, really hit home for me. Yeah. And they still hurt. <laughs> Something goes wrong, it must be somebody's fault. Yeah, um, and even it's mine. You know, when it's my fault, I'm, I have the power to turn it. Or okay. I can re- make it right next time. Maybe next time yeah. I can try again the same thing, maybe. Yeah. And, and it doesn't go right because I didn't write, did it do it right now, but next time. Yeah, for me that, that gets to the, the sort of the if-onlys to some extent, mm. uh, and more if only the other person didn't do something, you know. Um, if if only um, my wife didn't drink so much, we'd have plenty of money. Uh, you know? uh, and and not recognizing in that um, the uh, you know the money that I was spending on uh, trying to make myself feel good about. Um, about our lives that uh, um, I was always reaching for. And I guess this is another aspect of that same thing that I was reaching for things outside myself to try to make myself feel better. Mm. You know, Oh, if I get this, uh, you know, if I get this new camera, things will be great. Uh, If, if I treat myself to dinner tonight, I'll feel good today. Um, And, those were those were not, you know, really addressing what my problem was. They were they were um, easy ways in which I could try to sort of put a band aid on and 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 find find something. And and I think again, there's a real parallel there to this. The thing that I hear a lot in in well in both in open talks in both programs really that. Um, of looking for happiness outside ourselves. And at the same time, uh, saying that because something is, because I'm unhappy about something, because something is going wrong, it must be because of something outside me. Um, that, uh, uh, and I, I think I was much more inclined to blame other people for what was going on than myself. Although I also would really kick myself for, you know, things like, not getting the bill paid on time. Spencer, you stupid idiot. Why did you do that? Why didn't you just pay it? Um, <laughs> mm. And uh, um, and what was the... 
Oh, not knowing like what I want, what I like. Um, That's a mean question for me. You know, once I was um, talking to somebody about in which direction or what what kind of new job I I want, and uh, uh, then they're asking what do you want? Don't think about what is needed or which kind of job you will, uh, would be able to get. What do you want? And, you know, I, I was start crying because I, I couldn't say it. And, and mm-hmm. then I, I, I felt like failing, you know, mm-hmm. and I, at some moment, I, I realized that it never really uh, occurred to me that it it is important what I want. You know, it was important to have a job and to earn money, but how, where's the role, what I want and what I like, I never considered it. For me, it was just something, yeah, I, I have to do because life has to go on and uh, things have to be paid, so I have to have a job. And just, you know, like dreaming or wishing something, what I really like, what I want, was a foreign concept for me. And I was embarrassed, of course, uh, crying there, but I, I couldn't help it. And it, I'm, you know, the inventory helped me, helped me find yeah. out what are my positives and what I really like. But to that time, I didn't know. I didn't know what I want. Yeah, and I think about that for myself. And uh, my 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 least favorite kind of question was when somebody would say, "Well, what's your favorite?" What's your favorite color? I don't know. And I think about when I was young, I had a favorite color. Mm-hmm. Um, and I might be able to look at my clothes and make a guess about what color I like based on what color clothing I have. But if you just asked me, what's your favorite color? I would be like, mm, I, I, I don't know. Um, how about red? <laughs> um, <you know? laughs> Is red okay with you? <laughs> Mm. Uh, and that, and, and really, um, that came out in all different parts of my life. Like, uh, and, and I know I've, I've talked about this before about the, um, what do you want to do for, what do you want to have for lunch? I don't know. What do you want to have for lunch? Kind of conversations that happen in my family that happen, um, with friends and, and coworkers, uh, that none of us. And maybe, and, and sometimes when that question comes up, I actually have something in my mind that I would like to have, but I don't want to risk saying, well, this is what I want because then somebody else might say, well, I don't want that. Uh, and so I have to, I, I would push down my own desires uh, until I was sure that they were going to be okay with the other people that I was with. And What and was the, the danger of it? Um, what do what would happen if other people don't agree with you? Oh, with your feelings? oh, oh, well, then, um, I don't know. I would be wrong <laughs> somehow. Uh, they would be unhappy. This is horrible, mm-hmm. you know, because I want to please people. <laughs> and if, and if, and if I don't please people, if I don't do what they want, then, um, I mean, this is what I learned from, from growing up. This is what I learned in my family was, that the most important thing was that the other people around you are happy. Um, this is this is a behavior that my mother modeled to me, you know, and uh, and so 
that's what I did. So when you would ask me, what do I want? First off is, well, I'm not going to tell you what I want until I'm pretty sure that that it, you would agree with that. And and secondly, then because of all this time not saying what I want, uh, sometimes I don't even I don't even know anymore what I want. And and you're right. So sitting down and doing the inventory, but even before that, just um, listening to people talk about in meetings. Um, uh, one person I remember talking about realizing that just because that she wanted to go see a movie and that, you know, her husband and her kids were not interested, she could go by herself. That, that she didn't, she didn't have to stay home because they didn't want to go. And for me, that was a revelation uh, that, that I could, I could do things that I like just because I like to do them not, and not have to have other people involved. Uh, and, and so that there was some unmanageability there because I would say, I would think, well, I'd like to go, I like to go out in the evening and, and see um, music performances. Okay. And, and the other people in my family are not really, you know, interested in that much. Uh, and, uh, and sometimes they were, and sometimes they weren't, or their music wasn't my music. And like when my kids were younger, they, their musical tastes were very different from mine and they still are. Um, but we have more overlap now, I think. And, uh, and so I wouldn't even say, Oh, I want to go to this thing because I knew that they didn't want to go. And so when I heard this, Oh, you can go by yourself. Then I started being able to do the things that I actually wanted to do, but that I had been making myself not do because I thought I couldn't because other people didn't want to, mm -hmm. if that follows. Um, and so that made that part of my life a little bit more manageable because I wasn't going against my own desires. Um, I wasn't denying something that, that was part of me in order to try to fit in with everybody else. What was the third question? Because that one also struck me. Does a dark cloud of despair or creeping depression sometimes seem to appear from nowhere to weigh you down? Oh, that was like all the time. <laughs> back, you know, back before, really specifically before I came in the program and for, for a time after, uh, it would just be, I would just be like, everything's horrible. And usually this happened in the middle of the night when I was trying to sleep. But sometimes it just would come on me like, oh, our, our life is just horrible and we're not going to survive. And, uh, you know, I would just spiral down in this, uh, as a friend of mine calls it, awfulizing or catastrophizing. I would, you know, we would go broke. We would have to you know, we would lose our house, we'd be living in our car or something. I mean, just like my mind would just go down this cycle, this, this spiral into the darkness. And, and I could see no way that out of it, that this was definitely for sure going to happen because everything was out of control. And, um, yeah, and that doesn't happen anymore. Thank goodness. I mean, every now and then I get, I'll get a, a, a you know, a little bit of, of depression, um, not, not like major depression, but just this sort of, um, I'm, 
really tired. I don't want to do anything. And things are just not good right now. And, and uh, you know, but I have some tools to deal with that now if I choose mm-hmm. to apply them. Um, you know, I can... Yeah, for me... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. What happened uh, sometime uh, in that relation was, you know, I didn't know that he was drinking. And um, sometimes I didn't know why I really had, like, breakdowns where I was, uh, you know, uh, just desperate and was crying for an hour, you know, and because I didn't know what was wrong. And uh, so, you know, I never was the one who was carrying away the bottles and so because mm-hmm. I didn't know they were there. But a lot of things were wrong and I didn't understand. And uh, so, yeah, I, I was really crazy, you know. What uh, is another question which I uh, think is very important? Um, do you have difficulty trusting your own perceptions? Do you need to prove you're right and others are wrong in order to convince yourself? And for me, I, I avoided it. I was so much people-pleasing that I, I just took other per, uh, people's perception as real and tried to adapt myself, you know, because I was afraid to discussing different points of view. And uh, even so, I was, I was willing to accept uh, that people have other truths, but it doesn't fit to, to what I see, what I experience, and what I know. Mm-hmm. And um, that really drove me crazy. And I decided often that other people are right and, and not me, because I don't know. I, I was afraid what would happen if I would discuss it, you know? And uh, little small things and... So I, I feel after some day I felt I, I was living in a world I don't know, you know, as mm-hmm. if I'm being an alien myself and, uh, yeah, couldn't understand the world anymore. And uh, trying to adjust and adjust and adjust was so exhausting, you know. Mm. I think for me when when I would be in that place where my perceptions didn't match what someone else was telling me was true. I think I got angry. Um, I think maybe I still do somewhat. Um, anger is something I'm still working on. That, uh, And I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily get angry straight at what was happening. Um, I might get angry about something else and deflect. Um, but I would deflect with anger. Uh, to, uh, um, so that it didn't have to have, you're right. It's uncomfortable. It's, uh, when the way I think things are or should be is different from the way that somebody else is telling me that they are, that's uncomfortable. Uh, and, uh, but I would deal with it by being angry. Uh, and, and I think, or when, just when the way I thought the world should be was different from the way the world actually was. I didn't even have to be another person. Um, one of one of my, definitely one of my reactions was anger. And I think that's part of the reason when I came into Al-Anon that I had so, just so much rage 
that the world was not being the way I thought it should be. The world was not being the way I wanted it to be. And I couldn't make it be the way I wanted it to be. And I was angry about that. Uh, and and it's really hard to be – it's really hard to express anger at the world. Um, at least it was for me mm. at the time. I couldn't say, hey, world, I'm really mad at you uh, because the world doesn't listen. Uh, so uh, my anger came out at people around me. Uh, and it came – I would be really angry, rageful at people for, for things that um, – events that did not, um, you know, it was out of proportion to whatever it was that might have provoked my angry outburst. It was very, very out of proportion because the anger was coming from somewhere else. It was already there and it just needed an outlet. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that, that coming to Al-Anon and talking, you know, thinking about um, the ways in which um, I deal now with some of the unmanageability in my life because there continues to be there continue to be things in my life that are not the way I want them to be. There continue to be people that disagree with me. There continue to be, uh, you know, the world doesn't arrange itself to to my desires. Uh, that's that's a truth. Uh, that's and and the difference today is that I have tools to. Um, keep myself from going sort of off in some weird direction because of that. And um, one of those for the, for the anger at the world f uh, of not being the way I wanted it to be, I think the sort of the first thing that happened was that I found in Al-Anon a place where I could actually um, talk about these things, a place where I could open up and, um, and not have to, and, and I could talk about my anger um, and talk about the all of those feelings that I had been bottling up and just not carrying those feelings around with me so much um, helped a lot with the, uh, making my life more manageable because I was able to then respond uh, in ways that were more appropriate, more in line with the situation I was in rather than responding from all this emotion that was uh, inside me from, from other things. Um, so how, what are some of the ways in which um, you uh, respond or react? Uh, I, I think I like the word respond more than the word react here uh, differently today than, than in the past. Mm-hmm. For me, yeah, I, I don't question myself so much anymore. You know, I, I've learned that I'm I'm a person myself, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm good as I are. And uh, that when things happen around me, uh, does, uh, that it does not to have to change me, not only my mood, but also my perceptions. It is still something which is, you know, really hit me if people are saying, you are wrong, you don't know what's right, uh, you are, yeah, you don't see how it is. And uh, it's raising an old fear. And uh, sometimes I get angry today. Hmm. But then I'm able to say, uh, okay, this, people are, uh, this person is not saying it as I would appreciate saying it. But this person's expression, their opinion, it is their right. 
and I listen to them and I will I try to understand what they really want to say. And then I, I look at myself and um, what do I want, what do I see, and uh, how can I express this, uh, express uh, what I want and uh, or what do I think. It, did, uh, it is not so much more that I'm, I'm really trying to, to adjust to other people's truth or world mm-hmm. or points of view. Mm-hmm. And I'm not so much so afraid what do they think. And it is still, you know, it is sometimes uh, I feel very brave and I go to my boss and say, uh, I don't think that I have a different view on that. And sometimes I say it was my my boss always gives me a very funny look when I say there may be a reason why you are the manager and I'm not, so mm-hmm. we can do what you want, but I have a different opinion. Yeah. And then we had a we had a funny moment, you know, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and uh, and it is the truth, you know. Other people uh, may be right, but uh, for me it is still important to express what I think. And then if he, he has the power, because, um, you know, it is not Alanon, we, where we are all the same, yeah. but it's a company and uh, and I can say it and I, I can see the reality. I'm glad that I'm, I'm able to, to express my opinion, that I'm not afraid and I'm risking it. And um, very exciting things are happening, you know. Um, I, you know, I changed the job and I'm yeah. looking forward to, to meet my boss again next uh, day. We have an event and he was a good training partner, I would say, because he is a very open uh, person. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, I, I just try to decide for the moment, not thinking too much in the future or not also not thinking too much in the past. What bad experience I have, you know. My boss is never listening. They do what they want, but um, also trying now, yeah, to to express myself and uh, handing it over to my higher power and see what's what's uh, coming out of it, and be open and receptive and uh, having self confidence that I I will be able to deal with it. Sometimes I have to pray, but. Uh, I make uh, so many uh, good experiences. I, I never have dreamt of that. So it's worth to take the risk to be yourself, stand for yourself, say what you think. Yeah, and and that made me think about the difference in the way I express my differences of opinion, um, both I think at home and and at work. And, and I'm going to stay maybe in the work context at the moment that by the work that I've done in the program, and it's hard for me to point to any one thing, but I can point to some sort of slogans. Um, th- there's a thing we say about, you know, say it once. So when I have a difference of opinion with my coworkers, um, I can say what I believe to be true. I can state my reasons for it or whatever, my arguments. Uh, And then, and I guess it's about letting go. Um, Then I can know that I have done the best I can 
to get my understanding, my opinion um, to uh, the other people. And then I can say, but they are their own people. They have their own understandings, their own reasons for doing things the way they do them. And I have to let go of the outcome because the outcome is not just determined by me. And that really is something that I learned uh, learned in Al-Anon, um, and I learned it in the, you know more in the context of dealing with um, you know the alcoholic in my life. That <laughs> in the very hard uh, realm of dealing with the alcoholic in my life, where I could say things as many times as I wanted, and uh, and she was not going to change what she was doing. And so being able to do that at work makes my work life more manageable because I'm not spending fruitless energy trying to change people's minds about things they're not going to change their minds about because their understanding of the situation is different from mine. And particularly in a case where you know, my work is is mostly uh, technical in terms of making making things happen um, in the software. I work with people whose job is to decide what it is the software is supposed to do, how the users interact with the software, um, and I may have very strong opinions about the way I would like that interaction to work. If I was the person using it, I would like it to work this way. But in fact. Um, you know, I'm not probably not representative of the people who use our software. I would say that's that's a pretty strong mm-hmm. statement that, that the, the the majority of the people who use their soft, our software are not like me. <laughs> okay, they have different needs. They have different ways of thinking about the world, and and we have people whose job it is to not just assume they know how people want to use it, but to actually go out and talk to our users and, and watch our users uh, doing the tasks that they're trying to do and, and to then bring that back and say, well, this is what people are trying to do. And this is a way in which um, we think we can make it easier for them to do what they're trying to do. Um, And so when I have a difference of opinion, I will state my opinion. I will say, I really would like it if it did this. And they can say, well, that's, you know, that's a valid point of view. But what we found with our users is that this is probably, this is probably going to work better. I'm like, okay. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and whether, whether they actually have evidence or not, their job is what it's going to do, how it's going to work with, you know, interact with the users. Uh, my job is to make it happen. Um, so once I've said my opinion and they've said, this is what we're going to do. I, I can accept that. Uh, and that was not always true. Um, you know, if I felt very strongly about something, I would continue to assert my feeling, uh, even after uh, it was said many times, sometimes, no, this is the way we're going to do it. I was like, but it's wrong. We should do it this other way. <laughs> uh, Why was it so upsetting for you? I... You know, that's a really good question, Ruth. Um, and I think I think it's about feeling like I need some parts of my life that I'm in control of. And so the more that 
other parts of my life are not in my control, um, the more I try to exert control on the parts of my life that I think I can. Um, I think that's part of it. It's And it's about, um, you know, the saying that anger is almost always a secondary feeling that it comes from mm-hmm. something else. It comes from um, feeling threatened in some way, or it comes from being sad. It comes from being um, uh, afraid. And, and I think that um, I would, I would react angrily when my opinion was not taken um, because I felt that my ability to control my life was threatened. Uh, and, and it's, it's, it's also about like the hula hoop concept. Like if I put a hula hoop around my body, the stuff that's inside the hula hoop is what I can control. And the stuff outside is, is, is not mine to control. Um, and I was trying to make a really big hula hoop. Yeah. I okay. was thinking of that too. <laughs> uh, and, and so when I was able to understand about the boundary between me and everybody else, between what's mine and what's not mine. And when I was able to more precisely define that boundary, which came out of um, lots of attending meetings, it came out of doing inventory. Um, you know, it came out of a lot of, a lot of work um, to really understand in emotionally understand the boundary, not just intellectually. Then I could say, well, you know what? That decision is outside of my hula hoop. Mm. Uh, and it is not you. For me, it is, I say you, but uh, what I mean is me. Yes. For me, it was always when um, people question what I say or my opinion, I had the feelings they were questioning me, the whole person. Oh, and yes. So that was uh, why, why it was so frightening for me. And the reason why I sometimes didn't say something, because I was frightened of uh, people not uh, just saying yes, then uh, they say no to me. And if they criticize opinions, then they criticize me. Yes. And yeah, I, I have learned it is not the same. Funny mm-hmm. about that. Yeah. No, that is, that is, you hit the nail on the head there, that, that when people were criticizing my ideas, my opinions, I felt I was being attacked. Um, and that's another boundary. It's a boundary between me, the core of me, um, which again, Alan helped me find me as distinct from all the things that I do and that I say. And to understand that that I'm okay even if somebody doesn't like my ideas. Uh, and to know that I'm okay. Um, to know that, I mean, it's... All kinds of things come in here. The higher power comes in here because to know that I'm loved by my higher power, I'm valued for myself, um, nobody can take that away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, they can't take that away from me by saying, no, that's a stupid idea. I'm still okay. Uh, and that's, you know, that is definitely something that that I got here. Um and I found also out, you know, sometimes, as you explained, with going to a certain music event you like and other don't, I'm becoming more flexible. I can do what I what I want, but I can also choose to do uh, some things because I want to be with those people. 
But these days, for me, it is uh, more a conscious uh, decision. It is not so much driven out of fear. I won't say, you know, I'm not perfect now and mm-hmm. I'm still growing. Um, after these years, all these years you spent in Adelman, Spencer, yes. are there moments in your life where you think, oh, it's becoming unmanageable now or oh, yeah. I'm in a situation? And what are the symptoms? How do you notice them? Yeah. And actually, um, I've been... I've been feeling a little bit of that um, over the last several months um, because, uh, and and I, again, I've said this several times on the show, but that uh, my job is being intense right now. We have mm. um, we have a lot of work that we've committed to do in a fairly short time, relatively speaking. Um, we've been working on this project for actively, actually actively working on this project for almost two years now. Uh, And there was another year and a half before that of planning. And the intensity is ramping up. We've got uh, close to 100 people uh, working hard every day um, doing stuff. It's amazing. A lot of stuff is getting done. Uh, and, And so I feel... A little bit of pressure, um, but more it's just sort of this unremitting intensity of work. Um, that the it's not it's not people saying, "Oh my God, we're not going to get done." It's people saying, "We need to keep focused. We need to keep moving. We need to keep um, making things happen." Uh, and it's not feeling unmanageable, but it is taking up more of my mental and spiritual energy than work has done for quite some time now. Um, And I feel like I'm better able to separate that from the rest of my life, which is good. Um, But I do have less time in my life for just me. Uh, Mm. And, and so, and I can feel that at times I can feel like, um, gee, I, you know, I would really like to do something, but I don't have the energy right now. It's showing up in my exercise schedule. I'm not getting, um, to the gym as often as I would like to, uh, I'm still getting there and that's good. <laughs> you know, I, I'm keeping some balance in my life and I think it's about balance. And right now balance is really shifted towards work and, and away from some of the other parts of my life. And I know that the situation will change, but I can feel, I can feel that I'm on the edge of unmanageability, um, just mm. in terms of um, that. I come home from work and I'll just sort of sit for. I, sometimes I spend the evening, you know, playing a stupid video game on my phone or something, just because that's all my brain can do right now. Um, it actually has showed up, shown up in in the publication schedule for the for the podcast. There are just some weeks that I don't have the energy to make it happen, um, and uh, and I have to tell myself that's okay. Uh, I I do feel I feel like I have a commitment. I have made a commitment to myself to 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 do it once a week, and when I don't make that commitment, I feel bad about it. Uh, but uh, you know. 
there's just a lot of stuff, other stuff going on in my life. And, and, and I can forgive myself. <laughs> I can say, yes, Spencer, it's okay. I understand. No. Um, <laughs> uh, but I still, you know, I still have this feeling like I have, um, you know, I'm letting all my listeners down by by not doing a podcast this I, week. You know, I have to interrupt here. It is, um, I think, uh, personal recovery shall be always come first before services, because if your own program is not good, yeah. which means includes self care, you're not able to provide for other people. Yes, and 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 I know that, and I. And most of the time, I'm okay with that, um, you know. But, but this this is what I'm saying. This is sort of the edge of the unmanageability, mm-hmm. the um, the emotional loss of balance, the um, getting a little bit, just a little bit frantic, um, a little bit um, feeling, trying to, you know, sort of feeling what I think other people will be feeling, you know, which is my codependency and my people pleasing mm-hmm. coming in. Um, when I see those sorts of things coming in, that's when I know uh, that I need to be, as you say, I need to work harder on my own recovery. Um, are there some certain things happening where you think, oh, this is a red light? I think for me, again, um, unmanageability in my life often triggers uh, anger. And so when mm-hmm. I see myself starting to sort of snap at somebody. I'm not going into that full-blown rage like I used to, but I um, I respond quickly and 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 with a, with sort of an angry tone of voice sometimes and uh, you know when I see that sort of thing happening that is that that's a signal for me. Uh, I think that's yeah, one of my my prime signals. <laughs> um, uh, the other thing is is um uh, you know waking up in the middle of the night uh, and mm-hmm. The the thing that that I really don't do so much as I used to is is waking up at three or four in the morning and just having some worry obsession just going 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 and I can't I can't get out of it and I can't stop it and I can't go back to sleep and we've been in a little bit of a financial um, uh, tension uh, the last couple of months which is now resolving which is good. Uh, and so I would be, I would have that happen. I would wake up in the middle of the night, just sort of worrying about money. Um, and usually I was able to take one of my tools. I was able to, um, maybe do a gratitude list. I was able to pray, uh, to know that, you know, my higher power hasn't failed me yet on this. Okay. Um, that I will get through it. Uh, and I, you know, it might not be entirely comfortable all the way through, as you were saying, um, you know, last time about pain versus suffering, right? That, Mm -hmm. yeah, there's pain. Um, But the suffering, I don't have to go into the obsession in the suffering. Um, Sometimes, a couple times um, when this happened, uh, and I was not, those tools weren't just, weren't doing it for me. I got up. Um, I got up, I went into the living room and I sat and I read for a little while and then I was able to go back to sleep. Uh, So a tool of, you know, and that's a tool of sort of, taking the focus and putting it somewhere else. Um, if I can't, if my brain is just worrying on this thing, um, chewing on it, I, I can do something else that will, you know, put me in a different place, um, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, 
so those are some of the some of the things that I recognize as symptoms that are leading to unmanageability of life, um, and then you know some of the ways in which I'm able to redirect myself, take care of myself, work my program, uh, uh, so that it doesn't get worse. And hopefully, so it gets better, but at least it doesn't get worse. This too shall pass. Yes, this too shall pass. Exactly. <laughs> How about yourself? Um, any any last thoughts um, about manageability and unmanageability? For me, uh, if I see um, uh, my life as unmanageable, is uh, I got a lot of physical symptoms. Mm-hmm. You know, I mm-hmm. go, I go to the doctor and say I have pain here, or you know, lately I, I really have pain in my guts. Mm. You know, and I thought, oh, I have cancer and uh, I will have a, a big uh, uh, surgery and, you know, I will die in one month or really, really, really pain, you know, which woke me up in the middle of the night. Mm. And uh, also I need some time to to make an appointment with a doctor. And they said, you know, it's nothing there. You may have just a, a stress. So and um Sometimes my my muscles and my neck are getting so stiff that I wake up in the night also when my uh, the blood went out of my arms and when it's going in again, you got yeah, this yes. uh, strange feeling. And so I get a lot of physical symptoms and which are where my body is screaming and us is and us. And yeah. I found out what is very important for me is meditating, is reading my literature. I have 20 minutes each morning reading and meditating. Mm-hmm. And this keeps me stable. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, and for me, it is uh, much more better than it was several years ago. But sometimes I'm, I'm still getting into it because it is, it is a habit which is uh, it's not easy to break. And um, we say... You need as much uh, time. You you go up. You you shall maybe go down or, and other ways, yeah, to retrain yourself. So yes. sometimes I forget it's still happening, but yeah, I'm using the tool. Uh, step twelve, meditating. Step ten, looking what's really happening, talking to people, and uh, doing me something good and and relax, trying to relax. Thank yep. you. Yeah, and that is it. I mean, we claim spiritual progress, not spiritual perfection. And and we have ways to keep our lives more in balance now. So you had a reading you wanted to close this section with. Yeah, it is, uh, again, also this uh, great book from Survival to Recovery from page 281. And it's called A Matter of Choice. Where do you start with the stories that began almost 60 years ago? How do you express in words the wounds that have been disregarded for decades and only now begin to heal? Can a person ever find an outlet for the pain suffered as a result of being a child, adolescent, and adult in an alcoholic environment? The answer is yes. And you start today. I came to Alanon because of my son's alcoholism. So my life was totally out of control. I could see only what he did, 
After considerable time spent working very hard, attending many meetings and learning all I could, I realized that my son was not able, was not ready to maintain his sobriety. By then I knew and asked to let him live his life in whatever way he chose. Then I received a bonus, and that was very painful at first, but ultimately became the key to my own life. When I finally felt comfortable with the anonymity and trusted the confidentiality that is the basis of Alanon, my buried past, past came to the surface. Only through the great love and this fellowship I could face what have been done to me in my in the past and what I had done to others. For many years, I was a very young child. When I was a very young child, I was used as a sexual placing, starting when I was four or five and continuing into my tens. My uncles and cousins sexually abused me. Many of us who have suffered childhood sexual abuse wonder where the, otherly fam- where the other family members bear during this time. Why did they not protect us? In my family, the females were considered chattel. The grown women were treated no better than the girls. The only way any of us survived was to pretend these things did not happen, that the behavior was normal. To acknowledge the child abuse would have required the women to face the truth about their own abuse. They couldn't, and sometimes they even added to the problem by taking out their own considerable considerable frustration on the children as well. My legacy is not pretty. It is filled with sadness, but it is my legacy. Today, I no longer feel sad. I don't have to pretend to be someone other than who I am. Beneath the veneer, I've uncovered a very nice lady, scars and all. I'm not perfect, but I don't have to be perfect to be lovable. Now, when I look in the mirror, I see a worthwhile woman with many people who love her. I can't be all things to all people, but I can be someone special to some people. Today, at 60 years and counting on more, I know that life is what I make it. My partnership with my higher power, I can be happy or sad, but I can always be me. I feel anything I choose. I can be anyone I choose to be. Yeah. Thank you, Ruth. After a short break, we'll continue with Our Lives in Recovery, where we talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. And the first musical selection that I chose, and I'll tell you what, I had a lot of fun picking music for this episode. Uh, the first one that I chose is, and you can listen to it on the website at therecoveryshow.com slash 87, the group Cream Performing White Room. And this is a song about depression, and depression uh, is one of the often one of the symptoms for me of unmanageability. The singer is sitting in a white room with black curtains, seeing the things that are gloomy and missing the beauty of the world. He's caught up in his internal struggle and can't get out of this place where the sun never shines. His life is unmanageable. In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and our lives this week. 
How are we practicing the principles in all our affairs? Ruth? Yes, I had my home group on uh, Friday and the topic was Tradition 9 and I was well prepared. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you were. (laughs) And uh, yeah, it was very nice because uh, somebody was uh, coming back who hasn't been there for a while and um, uh, again it showed me that uh, one should not uh, worry too much. And it was uh, was a nice meeting, and we were uh, standing some ti- some time outside and talking. And yeah, again, uh, you know, it is um, it's just uh, uh, such a present to to have Alanon in my life, and I really enjoy the people. And on uh, Saturday, I was uh, on the regional meeting. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a lot of uh, stuff to talk about, uh, too many topics, and uh, yeah, and uh, we didn't make it in in time. Um, we were talking, you know. Also, one topic is uh, we have a contact telephone, mm-hmm. and this is a mobile phone we have here, and uh, numbers redirected, and uh, we will may make a service out of it so we can circulate that phone to uh, different people. But it is always a question that we do not want to do counseling on the phone. So we want to make sure that people are just getting directed to to the meetings because that it is uh, what Alanon is. And uh, it is uh, not good if you are doing somehow counseling on the phone. And um, yeah, I think it is uh, the best that you you have more people, and uh, it's a difference than like calling a friend and uh, telling your problems. And therefore, yeah, it's better to to connect people. We will see what uh, will come out of this. There are some services um, who are who don't um, are not fulfilled or filled with people at the moment. And we will see what the outcome is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my meetings. Other than that, I'm, I'm go working. And uh, each day I notice that I'm getting more used to, to the people and to the things. And um, I still, you know, just want to be productive. Mm-hmm. And then I hold, my, I hold myself back and say, yeah, come on, give you time. Enjoy my colleagues. Uh, still have uh, some sort of training, and but also you know what you mentioned. If you if I'm getting angry when I'm snapping at people, and I can be very very funny, you know, with those things, but it's always on the cost of of other people. Mm. So and I'm happy uh, that I yeah can keep myself uh, back from that mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was my week. Okay. Um, so I had um, an interesting example this week um, of, of seeing uh, somebody else's unmanageability. Um, and this was my daughter who was sort of reaching um, a crisis point about her job um, and about whether she could do it about whether it was something she wanted to keep on doing at the same time as 
She was about to sign a lease for an apartment uh, and some other things were going on, I think, in her life. And, and all this was coming together and she was just feeling like it was out of control and she didn't know what to do and she had to fix everything right away. And, and we had this um, conversation at dinner uh, a few days ago and uh, actually both, both my wife and I were we're sort of quoting program indirectly at least and uh, uh, saying things like, well, you know, you've, you've done the things you can do about what's going on and you can't do anything more right now. So can, can you just, you know, let go of it? She's like, no, I can't. <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, this, I, I, you know, I vividly remember this feeling that there's something wrong and I need to fix it right now, but I can't do anything right now. And and how how unmanageable that felt. And was really able to be grateful that, you know, most of the time I don't have to feel that way anymore. Um, and, you know, wishing there was some way I could just transplant program into her, but I can't. <laughs> All I can do is, is say what I know and... Uh, um, you know, and the next day uh, she made some decisions and she did some things and, and, and things got better. Her life got better, you know, um, more manageable. And I helped her yesterday start to move uh, stuff out of our house into her new apartment, uh, which is, it was fun. And it's nice to see the piles of boxes gone from our living room, which she brought home from college because the plan was she was going to move into an apartment. And so they were being stored in our living room, all her books and stuff. Uh, so that's, that's gone. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to be going to church a little bit later today together. So, uh, you know, it's good that we have, um, and, and that I can be relating to her both as a father and just as a sort of adult to adult, uh, as, uh, uh, depending what's going on. Um, meetings. Oh, man, we had a good meeting on Wednesday. Was uh, topic was step nine, and the person who did the lead read a couple of different excerpts from different pieces of the literature, and I'm afraid I don't remember which which they were now. But they both talked about, in part, uh, about how. Uh, step nine, which is about making amends for um, people to people we have harmed in the past, about how step nine helps us to become more the person that we want to be um, by uh, sort of cleaning up our side of the street, as we say, cleaning up, doing the best we can to to make up for or to at least. Um, acknowledge, um, the harms we did in the past, we be, we can become, um, a person who behaves differently now. And that, for me, that was a really powerful message because I've been thinking about, uh, some people in my life that were in my life that I did harms to that are no longer in my life and that I don't know where, I don't know how to, how to contact them. I'm not able to contact them. And, and how do I make those amends? And unless they suddenly somehow come back into my life, the only thing I can do is to be a different person going forward, to be a person who doesn't do those things anymore. Um, so that was that was a good thing to hear. Um, 
meeting yesterday morning was about uh, step two, about finding a higher power. And uh, there was some, there was some really good sharing in there too. So it's been a, it's been a pretty good week. And, and thinking about this unmanageability topic has also been, um, been helpful to me and, and recognizing like how my life is really a lot more manageable now. And, and the discussion that we just had about, about, well, you know, how are things manageable or not for me right now sort of helped me to um, put together, uh, make a little more solid my understanding of what's going on with respect to the pressure, the work pressure, um, and and also to help forgive myself for not doing a podcast last week. So that's, uh, that's sort of my week. Let's see, next week, topic next week is the topic that I wanted to do last week and, and uh, just uh, didn't have the time uh, and the spiritual energy to, to get it done. And that will be intimacy. And in this, what I mean here by intimacy is in deeply sharing our feelings and thoughts with another person. Um, intimacy is closely tied with trust, emotional safety, and vulnerability, all of which um, can be very powerful uh, motivators, positive or negative. If we don't feel that we can trust a person, it's really hard to be intimate with them, for example. Uh, and uh, so you can join our conversation. We welcome your thoughts. Uh, please leave us a voicemail or send us an email with your experience or questions about intimacy. Have you lost the ability to share intimately with another person? Have you found people in the program that you can trust with your secrets? What are your barriers to intimacy with your loved ones? We'll talk about those next week. We're also still working on our episode about triggers. If you'd like to share your experience with triggers and being triggered, on how working the program has helped you to deal with them, maybe not to get triggered so much anymore, uh, please call or email. And Ruth, how can people uh, send us feedback? How can people join the conversation? Mm. You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734707-8795. Call us right now, 734707-8795. You can also use a voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at therecoveryshow.com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strange and hope, or your question about today's topic of unmanageability or next topic of intimacy. If you have a topic you would like to talk about, let us know. Spencer, where can our listeners find more about The Recovery Show? Yes, that would be on the website, which is therecoveryshow.com. If you recommend The Recovery Show to your friends, just send them to therecoveryshow.com where they can find all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, an occasional blog, and uh, links to the music that we recommend or we find related to our topic each week. Uh, We've also got some links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. And uh, you can contribute to the content of the podcast and the website. Uh, You can uh, suggest a topic. We've got a list of suggested topics on the website, which is not quite up to date, but it's there. Uh, We're always looking for music suggestions. I love to hear other people's music suggestions because uh, I find things that are sort of in my my taste uh, in music, my 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 experience, my familiarity, uh, and I try to find things that are that are not there, but it's harder, you know. Uh, so when you suggest things to me, 
that that broadens my musical experience, and I'm always looking for that. Um, and uh, so just hop on over to therecoveryshow.com and uh, enter the conversation. If you'd really like to join the conversation literally, you can uh, be a guest host by uh, phone or by Skype or FaceTime or other electronic communication. Email feedback at therecoveryshow.com if you're interested. And we'll take a short break before we uh, look into the mailbag. Uh, the second musical selection, which again is available on the website, is The Unwinding Cable Car by the group Anne Berlin. And uh, I found this explanation uh, on, the, uh, on the Internet. The Internet has all kinds of wonderful resources. The, uh, Stephen Christian told us that he wrote the song in Seattle, Washington. He explained, The message behind it was that there was somebody in my life that had it so very well, so well, but they couldn't see it. They were basically in such a turmoil to get to the future that they didn't realize what they had in the present. So instead of focusing on that, they focused on this internal self-absorbed place that instead of saying, wow, I live in Seattle, Washington. I have this incredible job. I have these beautiful friends around me. Instead, we're saying, I'm so scared of the future. I don't know what's going to happen. My life is horrible. I'm in such a dark place. And, you know, I read that and I thought, wow, this is all about unmanageability. And, you know, we didn't really talk so much about unmanageability of living in the past or living in the future, but that's another aspect of unmanageability. If I'm living in the future or living in the past all the time, my life is, my, my present life is, is um, out of control, probably. Uh, and a little bit of lyrics here. Your motive, unstable, you're like an unwinding cable car, listening for voices, but it's the choices that make us who we are. Go your own way, even seasons have changed. Just burn those new leaves over. So self-absorbed, you seem to ignore the prayers that have already come about. And so I see this song as sort of in a transition, that here's a person that, um, you know, has things good and they just need to sort of, uh, oh, that word need, wow. Um, they could just recognize, um, you know, the things that are good and, and that their life is really much more manageable than they think it is. So go check that out on the website. Couple, um, a, f a couple of emails this week. Um, one from, from Laura. She writes, Hello, Spencer and co-hosts. I'm a faithful listener of your podcast, and I want to share my current situation with you. My qualifier is currently relapsing and denying it to me. It has been a real challenge to my serenity. When I realized that he is drinking again, I was disappointed. My first thought was to confront him with the knowledge. I spent days obsessed with the idea, and I prayed for guidance. The answer I received was to wait, and so I waited. I prayed for his higher power to work in his life, and I prayed for the serenity to accept this thing that I cannot change. I have so far been able to treat him with kindness, understanding that he is probably in pain from lying to his family and his sponsor. I believe that he has not accepted that he is an alcoholic and that he is trying to drink moderately. I keep reminding myself it is not my place to tell on him or manage his recovery. He will either seek recovery or he will not, and my interference in this process will not help. It is a daily challenge for me to keep my focus on me. I've decided that the current situation is not so bad that I cannot endure it, and so the only choice I have is to carry on. I know that I did not cause this, I cannot control it, and I cannot cure it, and in this knowledge I can find my daily peace. Finding serenity for myself, whether or not my qualifier is in recovery, is my goal. Thank you for sharing your experience, strength, and hope, Laura. 
and and I wrote back to Laura asking, um, you know, if I could share it, uh, her her email in the in the podcast, and and she said yes, and and mm. um, she also it's so said powerful, really. It is, it is, it's it, it is, and and she continued. She said, "I'm very new to the program, but I'm getting some extraordinary results." Your stories, and referring to me in response to my email, she said, your stories about your loved one have shown me a new possible path. In the past, I thought that I had to successfully change my loved one or leave him. Now I know that I can accept today for what it is and find happiness in any situation. I say, don't just do something, stand there. A lot. (laughs) I can't express how much your podcast has affected my life. I grew up in a home that was full of codependency. Both parents are children of alcoholics, no AA or Al-Anon in sight. So I have lots of distorted views and patterns. I'm finally starting to feel a peace that I have never known before. My family members who do not know I am in recovery have noticed my new serenity, and they have told me that they can tell I've really changed. It is perhaps even good that my qualifier is relapsing, because it proves to me that my recovery can happen even if his does not. This is a miracle I would not have believed possible a year ago. Thanks so much, Laura. And I would thank you, Laura, for writing in. Thank you, really, for your sharing. Yeah, it's just I, she's got a really powerful message here um, mm-hmm. that uh, that our her recovery is not dependent on the recovery of the people around her, um, and that's wonderful. Uh, and that is something that I think I didn't I didn't believe that was possible when I came to Al-Anon. I really did not believe that was possible. I heard this reading uh, at the beginning of the meeting that said something like uh, that we could find serenity and even happiness whether the alcoholic is still drinking or not. And there was no way, I, I didn't, I just didn't understand how that could be true. And then I found out that it was true, but it, it took a while. And uh, so, you know, Thank you, Laura, for sharing that, for, for, for giving us your experience, your, your strength and hope that, that this can happen. And a, another listener uh, wrote, said, Hello, I enjoy listening to your podcast and find it helps me think about my situation in a more calm manner. One suggestion I would have is for change of slang used during the show. Could Spencer look up the meaning of to rag on someone and perhaps use another term? Thanks. And... And I thought, well, huh, okay. Uh, I actually don't don't necessarily remember using that term, but I, obviously, mm. if she heard it, I used it. Um, so I, I looked I, it up. Mm, um, yeah, I, it was in one of the readings from me today, also. Oh, you know? okay. And I've, I, yeah, I've also yeah. looked it up, and yeah. Uh, yeah. So I looked it up. FreeDictionary.com says, uh, "Rag on someone," slang to bother someone, to irritate someone, to criticize and humiliate someone. And I also looked up the word rag um, by itself, and uh, Merriam-Webster says, to laugh at and make jokes about someone, scold or tease. And that usage actually dates back into the 1700s in, I don't know, America or England or both. Um, And I think what the listener was connecting, um, maybe this is, and this is what came to my mind when when I read the email, was connecting to the, the slang of on the rag, um, which is um, is a derogatory term, uh, uh, and and that would have been quite inappropriate for me to use, definitely. And and I looked up that phrase, and that came up in the 1930s, so about 200 years later than than this uh, use of rag or rag on. As far as I can tell, they're actually not connected, um, but our listener connected it in 
in their head. And if that usage is enough to, you know, prompt one listener to write uh, because it bothered them, then I'm sure it's bothering other people. And so, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try to uh, just get that out of my, out of my vocabulary. I don't need it. So it doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have expenses. They run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Alice did. And thank you again, Thank you, Alice. Yay. We also have uh, an affiliate agreement with Amazon.com for listeners who are in the U.S. So that would be the the U.S. Amazon. And uh, there's a link on the the website. Uh, I think right now is a little badge about uh, school supplies or something. Uh, If you click on that to go to Amazon and then whatever you order from Amazon will get a small commission. Also, and recovery-related, we have a list of recovery-related books that um, we have links to, I think, both the Amazon website and to the Al-Anon website for for, uh, different books, uh, whether they're Al-Anon books or books about people's personal recovery stories or just general recovery. Uh, So you might want to check that out. There's a books link at the top of the page on the website. And again, if you order books through Amazon, after you click on that link, we'll get a little commission, which uh, helps to keep us going. We thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening. Recommend us to your friends. We are here for you. The the last song selection I want to talk about uh, is called Beauty in the World by Macy Gray. Again, you can find that at therecoveryshow.com slash 87. This is episode 87. This song was inspired by Gray's teenage daughter, who one day Macy overheard laughing hysterically in the next room. She said, I was having a really bad day, and I heard my daughter just cracking up in the next room. She has this really great laugh, and I didn't even know what she was laughing at. I thought, at least she's happy. And I felt, at least I hadn't failed there because my daughter's happy. And and again, one of the tools that helps me get out of my uh uh, my unmanageability is to recognize uh, the things that are good in my life and to um, feel gratitude for them uh, can take me out of uh, a negative emotional situation. A little bit of lyrics. Uh, I know you're fed up, but life don't get... <clears throat> Start over. I know you're fed up, but life don't let up for us. All they talk about is what is going down, what's been messed up for us. When I look around, I see blue skies, I see butterflies for us. Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. Understanding, love, and peace, growing you one day at a time.